you're listening to match point paradox sports stars cricket podcast subscribe for all new episodes and our special series india's greatest cricketing wins in 1981 india scripted a memorable 138 run victory over england at the vankhede stadium in mumbai and this helped india take a 1-0 lead in the six test series This test featured illustrious names on both sides like Sunil Gavaskar, Kapil Dev, Ian Botham, Jeff Boycott and many more. There were no centurions in this test, but this match saw four five-wicket hauls and one of those went to Dilip Doshi when he almost single-handedly took care of the English lineup which batted second. In this episode of India's greatest cricketing victories, sports star's Vijay Lokpali catches up with the veteran spinner about this game. his playing days and how far indian cricket has come since do listen in thank you dhirubhai uh, for uh, agreeing to speak to the hindu and the sports star uh, you would have had some association during your active playing days with the hindu and sports star i mean we were one of the few magazines in the country and this is part of a series we are doing on some of india's greatest victories and we have i mean obviously you will have your choice but our choice i mean your first debut game at chennai eight wickets uh, that was a great performance but we have picked the november 1981 match sir against england where india won by 138 runs but to begin with what are your memories of your debut although it was a drawn game but you did amazingly well i mean i've i've written down a list of batsmen you got graham bowd hughes yallop watmore hogg hurst and hildich so you got the best batsman out thank you no it's i would just say that uh, it's a most wonderful memory really and uh, i was thankful that i got a chance at last and yes. able to prove a point that's yes. the that's the thing you know you basically play because you want to play for your country and hopefully you want to win games that was the whole purpose yeah and of course you love the game as a child when you grow up you dream of playing for your country and when it comes true it's a very very impossible feeling to describe except that i can say that um, it will never leave you you know it always stays with you the thrill yeah and sir this move to go to bengal was it because in search of opportunity or or the fact that maybe bengal was a good team and uh, you would have had a regular chance to play there no of course you would have got them at home also no nothing like that in that sense hmm. although i was born in rajkot so rashtra is my you can say birth state the state of my roots for both my parents but my father was doing his business in calcutta in those days so we lived there right so i was uh, born at rajkot but always lived my entire growing up life in in calcutta right so uh, calcutta and bengal was my as i said uh, karma bhumi at that time you know that was a so i had not got a choice and i have no regrets i think it is possibly post independence india calcutta was 
arguably the best place to grow in because of the education, the maidans, the art and culture, and it was fantastic. Yeah. And sir, before we dive into your test career, um, just a word about the delayed entry to first class cricket and, uh, and international cricket. What would you attribute that to? Hmm. To be very honest, uh, typical parochialism in, in, in our country then. Uh, so in many ways, you, I can put it that I got an entry into my college team straight away. And I, I did not play any school cricket of any significance except in Maidan in Calcutta. So you're honing your skill against the others. And I recall that uh, without being immodest, we used to practically win every game that we played in. And uh, I used to have figures at times like eight figures for two runs and things like that. So I did realize that I was able to play against good players and get wickets. So it instills confidence in you and you grow up street smart, as you would call it. Then I went into college, St. Xavier's College, Calcutta, and I got my chance immediately. And uh, I proved a point because St. Xavier's College became the champions of Calcutta University program year after year when I was playing and I used to be a highest wicket taker. So it felt uh, rewarding, you know. But then I had to wait four years to play for Calcutta University uh, simply because uh, of parochialism. Because many of them considered I was a Gujarati playing in Bengal or living there. Yeah. And I mean, that was only those few people. The people in Bengal knew that I was a home product. Yes, I personally felt that I was more Bengali in that way than anybody else. Because, you know, at the end of the day, um, people did not think about India the way we do today in those days. True, true. Very and true. Uh, so I got a very late entry into university cricket at the same time uh, into Bengal cricket as well. But in a way, I have no regrets for that. To be honest, uh, Vijay, when uh, you are playing like that, you're honing your skills, you're sharpening whatever you need to learn, and you don't have to think about it. It's, it's an automatic process. Today, looking back, you can say that you are learning, but when you're playing, you are not saying you're learning. You're simply playing yeah. and imbibing the experience into your cells. And you know that goes to teach you what, do, what to do, what not to do. Yeah, I think that's very, very, uh, very sporting of you. But uh, just one one question for the first test match. Which would you pick as the wicket? Graham Wood or Hughes, who was a brilliant, very good player of spin, and even Watmore or Hilditch, the opener. Which which, which would you pick? Watch this I think it's, it's difficult to pinpoint a wicket. Mm -hmm. But let's say that um, the thrill of Graham Wood getting on the first day and my first test wicket is like, uh, as they say, that opening a bottle of olives. The first one is most difficult to take out from a bottle of olives. Yes. And once you take the first one out, it paves room for the others, as they say. <laughs> so I thought that was not a bad uh, uh, start, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I got a good spell the next morning. The butterflies had settled down. And uh, by the way, Vijay, since you asked me, let me tell you. Yes, sir. A renowned commentator from the north of India. In those days, there was more Akashwani. And Durdarshan was there. Yeah. Not so much prominent, but is there. I wish I could lay my hands on some of the tapes. Those mm -hmm. days. But uh, within my hearing distance, this guy, 
after the toss was done and we were going out to field, hmm. he said to one of the other members in the team, hmm. uh, to Rajinder Singh Hans, who was another hmm. left-arm spinner, a bowler of also wonderful merit. Hmm. But, um, and he said uh, to the other fellow that your chance will come. This old guy will go out in a test or two. Oh, and I looked up at that guy. I don't want to mention his name. <laughs> and I gave him uh, my piece of my mind. Yeah. And that's how crude or how parochial some people were. Yes. And uh, I have no regrets. It made me more determined they didn't realize. Ah, that would have made you really, you know, just to prove him wrong, maybe no, no, no. best. No, that. no, I, I think what you, you don't prove. You see, this is where I'm saying to Vijay. You're there. It's like a bit like a golf game. You want to improve your own score. So you want to establish yourself as a player yeah. who is going to contribute to the wellness of the team or the winning of the team. So you need to be at your calmest mind. If you get ruffled by these people, they have been successful and you pave way for them. Sure. So you have to take two deep breaths. And you know, I'm a, I, I do believe in meditation and I always done that since a child. Mm -hmm. So that helps me a lot to calm down and to, in a way, to be very philosophical, you forgive them. You don't forget, but you forgive them and you move on. Otherwise, you hold those grudges. True. Uh, Dhirubhai, now coming down to the test match at Bombay, a very iconic venue and a great opposition. I mean, they had some wonderful players. That was, uh, yeah. Arguably the best England team that came to India. Yes, sir. So, what are your memories, immediate memories? I'll ask you specific questions. But yeah. when you think of that match, what strikes you? Well, first of all, um, I felt that every series we start with, my aim as a player is to contribute to the team's victory. And, uh, you know, that is the way I felt was very important. And... Uh, you know that um, when we did not score many runs in the first innings, yeah. And when they batted, I recall there were 104 for one or something in that region. Mm -hmm. And um, I had to request my captain to bowl me from another end. And um, finally, he did uh, accede to my request and I bowled from the other end. Then I got a wonderful spell of 5 for 12. Yeah. And uh, what helped me was my persistent inquiring line on the middle stump. Hmm. So I believed in not giving batsmen any room on either side to play. Hmm. And uh, bowling a tight line with a blind spot. This is the technical way of saying... When a left-arm spinner bowls from close to the stumps round the, round the wicket, he can create a line which creates a blind spot for the batsman either to play him only straight or play against the spin. Hmm. So I was happy that they played against the spin and the result was obvious that uh, we were able to get them bowled out very quickly. Yeah. And we got a small lead. Yes. And uh, I thought it brought a lot of belief in our team that we can beat this team in England, the England team uh, that came to India. Because just for your knowledge, 
Yes, sir. Uh, we had not beaten a good England team in India. True. We won some matches, but we lost the series. Hmm. And the only victory that we had against an England team of not so much of great merit was Tony Lewis's team in 72-73. Right. When they had uh, some good players. Yeah. But, uh, it was not the strongest England team. Yeah. To that respect, I felt that uh, that spell of mine paved the way for the series. Yes. Win. Yes. And what happened in the rest of the series is another story anyway. Yeah. Sir, now uh, we didn't know this about um, bowling from that particular end. You, you insisted It always on... works. It always works. I tell you why. Huh. Um, in every venue that you play, there are some areas and some ends. It not necessarily suits you, but it works better for certain kind of bowling. Not mm. always at our times. Mm. And uh, I felt that uh, uh, it did work. Yeah. So which end was that? I mean, if, if I... Tata's end. I asked for Tata's Tata end. Right. Right. Sir, and when you, when you decide to bowl from a particular end, what are the factors? I mean, what was the factor there that prompted you to, okay, you will be better off bowling from this end? Um, it's hard for me to recall every small detail now. Yeah. Yeah. But I had played at one career before, don't forget mm. that I played two home series there already. Yes. We beat Australia and we yeah. beat Pakistan, Pakistan in the yeah. series. Yes, sir. So I already had some experience by that time. Mm. And maybe that tilted this thought in the, the favor of bowling from that end. Yeah. Uh, I cannot recall, to be very perfectly honest, every small detail. Yes. But I know that that's, that's what happened. That happens with every bowler in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sir. I was taking down the scores when I saw they from one thirty one for three. They were all out for one sixty six, where you had Fletcher, Botham, Tavare, and Bure in a row. So, what are your memories of these four wickets? Because they actually these four wickets gave India the winning course. Yes, absolutely. Um. I was playing in county cricket for a long time. And I know Ian Botham was an outstanding cricketer and he had the ability to change the course of any game that in which he played. And he's proven over the years that he could do that. Hmm. And um, I felt that uh, Ian will try to hit me out of the attack. We are very dear friends. Hmm. And uh, he's a great competitor. Hmm. And um, I would have loved them either to jump out to me of the crease or to play me against the line. Mm. And they chose to play against the line many times. Mm -hmm. And the result was in my favor. Yeah. And um, I beat them in flight and with a little bit of spin. Yes. So that does, that did help. Yeah. And so you, you get on a roll, you know, that kind of, a, you get into that kind of a spell. Mm. That's why I tell you, I think it was a five for 12 to be precise in about mm. eight to 10 overs. Right. So you hold them in a vice-like grip. Yes. For me, I think it's a grip has to be vice-like. You hold them, suffocate them with the oxygen, which is the runs. But yes. it's not negative bowling. You are attacking. You have an attacking field because you've got close-in people who want to catch them. So then they have to decide either to defend and watch the game or to hit you out. So, you know, it's a strategy. And sir... 
here if you see Tavare was a blocker from what we, we know. And Fletcher was, you know, he would adapt. Both of them was an attacking batsman. Embure, of course. So what kind of adjustment would you have, would you need to do or you would have done uh, bowling to these batsmen of different character? Well, I, Tavare was a stickler. He played uh, straight. He would not take any undue chances. But when you crowd a batsman with a few close infielders, if I recall, we had four close infielders for them. Okay. Yeah. And if you can imagine, there are four close infielders plus wicketkeeper five plus the bowler six. Yeah. That leaves only five players in equation on the outfield, hmm. leaving huge gaps. Hmm. The temptation for most of the people will be to play a few shots to get those fields out of the scatter because, you know, our total was low. We were, in a way, defending a low total, but there was no way you can defend. Either you get them bowled out yeah. to, get, to get a start or you allow them to settle down and take a first innings lead over you, which would have made the series entirely very different. So the strategy of attacking them with closing field and, uh, you know, testing them with the nerves, it worked out like that. And Fletcher, of course, uh, was one of the best players of spin in his, in his time because when he played against our spinners also on turning pitches, he knew how to negotiate. Mm -hmm. See, playing against a spinning ball is about negotiation. The ones and the twos and the fours and the odd six. Mm -hmm. You cannot predetermine anything. You have to play according to the situation on the field placing and the ball. And that's where I felt that uh, that planning and that knowledge of these cricketers and where to bowl to them helped. Yeah. And sir, uh, bowling to establish these three batsmen and then when you run into the tail enders, say Emburi or Bob Willis, so do you need to change your strategies or you would stick to the same line and length? Well, not just here. You, no, so just to, you stick to same line and length because uh, they have to adjust the game, but you entice them a little more with the freedom to play one or two shots. And mm -hmm. in the process, if they hit you one or two, it doesn't matter to me. Yeah. The aim was to get a first innings lead. And uh, we could get that. And that's where it changed the course of the series. Yeah. And sir, am I right if I say uh, you did not believe in buying your wicket? You wanted to earn your wicket. So you would make the batsman, you know, uh, you know, you never gave away easy runs. Uh, whether test match or DI. So how was it uh, in this game? I mean, what kind of uh, uh, mindset did you have whether to, uh, to like you said, throttle them or buy your wicket with? Well, I think, look, <clears throat> buying the wickets is an old-time term. It used to be uh, when people threw the ball in the air or they tossed it up, as they say. And people would uh, go for a slog and uh, ended up playing 15, 20 runs and threw away the wicket. Um, for me, I think it's all about the game is about the runs. 
But at the same time, you need to get the batsman out. So it's a balance. The balance is if you toss the ball, you cannot spin the ball so much mm. because in tossing the ball, the process of tossing and spinning mm. are two entirely different things. Mm. You can propel a spinning ball. Mm. When you spin the ball, you actually propel it. Mm. You know, like you spin the top, mm. like a child. You have yeah. to actually do that to spin the top. Yes. And so similarly to spin the ball, you have to propel a spinning ball. Right. You try to toss a ball, mm. you will not be able to use enough energies to impart spin. Mm. A spinning ball dips. I'm sorry to be technical, you asked no, me. No, fine, sir, fine. So a spinning ball dips, mm. creating an illusion in the mind of the batsman that he is there, mm. but he is short of that. So I believe that spinning the ball also requires giving it the air, but it is not the kind of air that tossing up. You cannot mix up of flighting a spinning ball and tossing a ball. Yeah. I felt that I was a flighter of the ball by spinning it. Yeah. It's a quick flight rather than toss the ball, which is much easier to play in my view. Yeah. And sir, your friend Botham got nine wickets in the test match. So, what would we say about that? I mean, here you you were a spinner and he was a medium fast bowler uh, doing well. So, was it a pitch ideal pitch for both spinners and medium fast bowlers? Actually, it was a wonderful cricket pitch. It was not a spinning pitch by any standards. Mm. I was lucky to be able to extract spin on any pitch. Mm. And I know that on a good pitch, you need to only spin this much. Hmm. to get the edge of the bat. is That's why a tight line and length is so essential for getting effect of a turning ball. And uh, Ian Botham is always in the game, whether he's batting or bowling, and uh, he will find his way to get you out. Hmm. And Ian is always, as you can see, that whether any kind of pitch, either he can bowl seam or he could be quick and he could bowl cutters. Mm -hmm. So he mixed his uh, variations and um, he was handful. Yeah. And sir, I mean, uh, the target, I mean, India made just 227 from what I saw from the scores. There was not a single half century from any batsman. The target was 241. But how come you bowled just one over? Kapil Dev and Madan bowled 5-5 five, five each and you had you had done this. I mean, you had initiated the collapse in the first innings and getting to bowl just one over must have, was it a disappointment? I'm not yes, going to instigate you, but... Well, of course, it was a disappointment. Yeah. But sometimes what happens is, if you get the result, the method of getting a result is forgotten. Hmm. So I have no regrets about that. Hmm. Um, it just happened that I bowled only one over. Yeah, yeah. Sir, would you rate this one of your finest uh, victories? I mean, apart from yeah. the fact that you did perform, uh, you played a major part in it. Well, I would say that my spell of 5-4-12 was the series decider. Yes. You can see it. I don't know to say it. Yeah. Otherwise, they would have taken a lead yeah. over hours yeah. and it would have been a different game, series altogether. True. But 
Um, you know that um, when a team wins, it's more important than anything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sir, you were quick in going through your overs. Was it a tactic or was it your style that you had to get over the uh, your over quickly? Because batsman hardly had any breathing time. Well, generally speaking, a spin bowler, I had a very short run-up, a four steps, yeah. and you bowl. And if you fortunately didn't go for runs, and if I didn't go for that many runs, in the then you are back on your mark very quickly. Uh, really, it's no point in wasting time. You get on with your plan. and uh, But in that series, it didn't happen so, because I was accused of bowling very, very long timed overs by the England media and the press hmm. because I was advised to take my time over bowling and over. It was recorded that some of the overs took as much as four to five minutes, hmm. which is, and I was criticized by English press for that. But I, I was acting under the orders. And that's what, that was not your natural style. No, no. It deprived me of getting at the batsman sooner. Yeah. to get to the batsman quickly. I remember the great Lance Gibbs. He used to finish his over one minute, 40 seconds. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Gibbs, he was, he was relentlessly at the batsman. Yeah. I like that style. And yeah. I was naturally like that. But there are times when you have to listen to the command of the captain and you have to obey. It's a team game. Right. Sir, uh, one, because for this generation, they don't know the importance of uh, what it was, bowling to the field or, or having your own field and bowling to it. So, uh, did you learn over a period of time or it came to you naturally that you will set your field and or maybe you will set your field once you get into your rhythm or you would have a predetermined uh, set of field before you begin your spell? Okay. Setting my own field, I learned playing in Maidan and developing your own game. Um, if you go through a proper system, or in my view, whatever system you may want to call it, hmm. the coaches advise you what to do. Um, the way I grew up, that I had to decide where my field should be and uh, it teaches you the way forward. And of course, as a bowler, if you know where you're bowling and where you would like the batsman to play you. Mm -hmm. So you have to visualize that. That's the reason why I like the sentence of Sir Neville Carders, who said that cricket is like outdoor chess. Mm -hmm. You put your soldiers or whatever you, I don't play chess, but I can understand that. Mm -hmm. uh, Comparison, you know, analogy. Yeah. So I feel that it's important to leave certain gaps where the batsman is tempted to play. And that's what actually you want him to do. Right. So right. field placing, you learn by experience. But as a bowler, like most of the bowlers otherwise, worth their salt, they would have a fixed field and you will adjust one or two players in the field according to the batsman coming in. Whether it's a more defensive field 
or a little more attacking will depend on the individual coming in and your strategy for him. Right. Yeah. And, 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 and sir, what is it that one season of domestic cricket in India will not give you what you will get, say, one season of county cricket? Are there any salient points which you think, because you've played so many years and you've lived in England, you've played in India all the Ranji Trophy games. Well, county cricket in uh, the era in which I played and much before me was possibly the finest quality cricket any cricketer would hope to play because uh, England had an extensive season, uh, a very full program. I was playing literally seven days a week. I started playing in the era when uh, the wickets were uncovered. Right. So it could rain and you could still go out and play on a wet, wet pitch where you'll have to adjust the game entirely as a batsman or as a bowler. Yeah. And then there could be a drying pitch, the sun coming out, the wind drying the pitch. The game didn't get stopped because of rain. If it is raining, they didn't play. But when he stopped and you could still play, we still played. Yeah. So that made cricket in England very unique. That was the only high-quality professional cricket possible in those days, apart from the league cricket in Lancashire League and the Northern Leagues of England, where a lot of the great cricketers played, including Sir Garfield Sobers, many of our Indian cricketers from the past, and the Australians. Now, you're playing against the best players in the world in county cricket in those days, most of the international cricketers were playing in county cricket. Very few Indian players played, but they still played. Australians played. South Africans who were not able to play test cricket also played. So it was a learning place for everybody, including those great players. Right. We adjust to different uh, conditions to play in day in, day in, day out, according to the demands of the game. And you were playing one day as well. Yeah. So there was John Player League of 40 overs, Benson and Hedges 55 overs, Gillette Cup of 60 overs each. Yeah. There was plenty of cricket. Yes. Yes. And you were able to hone your game and your talent according to the demands. Yeah. And sir, last couple of questions. One is, your views on T20 because uh, cricket fans and writers of my generation feel you would have made a fabulous T20 player. Uh, do you agree? Would you have loved playing the T20 and your views on this format? Vijay, I love playing cricket. Hmm. T20 would uh, make different demands on your game. You would expect to bowl four overs and I would Ideally, I would want to take at least four wickets in four overs because the batsman is going to go after you, yeah. which is not a problem. Yeah. On some days, you accept that they will really go for you and they'll get the better of you. Right. On some days, you will get the better and you'll win the game for your team. That's the philosophy with which you have to enter this kind of cricket. Yeah. Of course, uh, T20 has come to stay. It's a great form of entertainment. 
Uh, I would not agree that it is a proper form of cricket, um, but it still needs to be played to make a lot of families, youngsters, even corporates today interested to bring the money and keep it financially healthy. But too much of it, in my view, is going to spoil the health of the game. It's like too much fast food without having the proper meals. Yeah. going to ruin your health. Yeah. So to me, I think it's important to strike a balance. Uh, for me, first-class cricket and test cricket are the prime forces of game. It is those games that bring you great players into the game. People will go to watch miles. T20 yeah. can give a club cricketer a decent chance. An average cricketer can be a hero for a season. And I don't blame him. But as I said to you, that he would not make a good first class or a test player. He would disappoint you because the transformation is huge. So I would say that a balanced approach would be necessary. My only one advice to any youngster is don't sacrifice technique or the longevity of the game for a very quick short success. So even for short success, adjust your game without losing your roots, roots of the game, the technique of the game as a bowler. And as a, if a bowler has to bowl wide deliveries continuously for the sake of the team, if you got control, you should be able to do that. But then you need to have the muscle memory to go back to your roots of bowling the proper length and line. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Yes. And for many youngsters, the muscle memory, building that muscle memory is very important. And that can only be built by the proper game of cricket. That is the sir, first cricket. Yeah, 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 yeah. And sir, our girls are doing exceptionally well. Do you follow women's cricket and do you have to say anything? I, I see whenever it is possible, whenever India is playing, I look at the games and I feel very proud that our women's team have done exceedingly well. I was hoping they'll beat Australia, but I saw that they lost by a mere nine runs. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I, I really, I feel proud. They've yes. done wonderfully well. Yeah. And I'm sure that it'll encourage many young girls to take up this great game. Yeah. And sir, finally, before we let you go, uh, 1991, I was at Charja. I attended the, your book launch where Mr. Gary Sobers was there to launch it. And you were kind enough to give me an autographed book. Um, do you agree he's the greatest cricketer to have played the game? I would not even uh, discuss this with anybody. It's a given. Hmm. I feel that um, two cricketers are truly godsend. Hmm. Sir Donald Bradman hmm. and Sir Garfield Sobers. Um, no statics, statistics should be brought up to compare him with anybody. People do not know the quality of cricket he played. People do not know the opposition he played. And people do not even realize with what, what authority yeah. he commanded the games. So, and he's a true thorough gentleman. God bless him. I mean, I was very lucky to spend uh, a few hours with him in London about a few weeks back. Mm -hmm. And uh, most wonderful man. And the, of course, he's the greatest. He's the emperor of cricket, I would say. Yeah. Thank you. 
Thank you, sir. And uh, I forgot to ask you one thing. Uh, just a word about our, the state of Indian team. I mean, there is such fabulous talent now. And we can, in fact, have two teams uh, playing in a tournament if it comes to it. So how do you look at the current, current Indian team? I think we have a fantastic talent of fast bowling, as I can see. Even some of the young talent, wonderful fast bowlers who can bowl quick, are not playing in the team, could play for many other countries. So that's a great asset to have. About uh, batting and spin bowling, I have two big question marks. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the batting first. Mm -hmm. A lot of our batting is without technique. Yeah. The reason why many people are getting leg before the wicket or getting bowled as often as they are getting is because of the footwork. And I will, I'm not a batting coach and I don't think, but as a bowler, I know enough about the batting. So I can say that uh, the batting technique, even at the highest level of test cricket has gone down considerably as opposed to our Indian batting a decade back. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Then if you look at the spin bowling, Unfortunately, on good pitches outside of India, we are still not as effective as we should be. Yeah. Because I think the success on uh, very helpful pitches have blinded us towards that. And we have not been able to develop the technique and the temperament required, bowling relentlessly on batting pitches and the field placing that it requires. So it's a basic problem I see in Indian cricket. And unless it is addressed, we may lose our position as a top test playing nation. And as far as batting is concerned, I have to ask you a question. This is a very different question. Yes, sir. Look at all the great teams in the last 50 years of our watching the game, if not playing that long, but understanding the game. All the top teams, did they ever have any coaches? That is my question to you. Not really. I would have asked you this question. Do you need a, what kind of coaching would you need at the test level? Well, I don't need any coaching at test level. Otherwise, how have I reached that level? Yeah. My point is, you need a fielding coach, sure. You need a trainer. You need uh, the physio. And probably you need two masseuses to make sure that if your stiffness and if your body requires certain release, they can give you. So fitness training is very important. Uh, fielding coach or fielding practice especially is very important. All these are aspects of the game that you cannot ignore. Bowling coach and batting coach in my personal books are redundant. But I would have one manager in the team who is like an elder brother to the boys. The, they can talk about the personal or game boost to them and the 
person in charge has to be large hearted enough and worldly enough to suit them and if he happens to be a former cricketer and who can give them a tip or two so be it yeah but it's not essential to be a former test cricketer um i remember we had wing commander durani yeah in australia in 8081 yes he played such a wonderful role as a manager i'm sure he was a decent enough club cricketer or maybe he played for services i do not know but he never ever told us anything about the game he got on with his job as an elder brotherly person and kept us all in good humor and through various difficult situations on the tour we were able to sail through and still square a series so it went to, it goes to show really you do not need cricketers yeah this is my personal view it may yeah. be old fashion but the game is old fashion let me tell you that yes yeah you still have to bat side on ball side on and whatever the greats of the game did you still have to do that to be successful yes you cannot change the basics you can make some adjustment so these are my personal views i know they are not enforceable because the game has gone too far forward in a corporatized manner which i welcome because without enough money in the game it will die down and india is a powerhouse yeah but as india and indians we have a huge responsibility towards this great game and towards the world cricket to ensure that we set a good example of keeping the first class cricket alive with talent and therefore the test cricket sir thank you your views will always remain valuable like you said uh, maybe not enforceable but it can be kept in mind whenever they they they, they take to uh, well and that's kind of you thank you yes. i have to be honest to the honest to the game that has given me a lot yeah you have also been uh very uh, kind to us sir and uh, uh thank you for this uh, interview thank you very much for having me vijay it's an honor pleasure pleasure is all mine i have a great uh, regard for your group i remember the good old days uh, of hindu and the sports star thank you for listening into this special episode of india's greatest cricketing wins Subscribe to Matchpoint Paradox so you don't miss a single episode from Sports Stars Cricket Podcast. Until our next episode where we sit down with yet another glorious moment from Indian cricketing history. Take care and stay safe.